As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and this is Tuesday Night. And my friends, we're so glad that you joined us. And tonight, we have two very, so many gusty, very special guests that have joined us again. And these are the sons of Joel and Olya Renner. Dobro pozhalovat. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Oh, хорошо. Как тебе зовут? What's your name? Mark. Mark. Как тебе зовут? Daniel. Daniel. Denise and I have eight grandchildren. Let me have Joel's kids help me. Какая имена? Дети Павел и Полина. What are the names of Paul and Pauline's? Okay, E, Philip and Ella. Mika Mia. E, Joel and Olya. Daniel and Mark. Da, it's a pravda. Voisim sevoda. Eight grandchildren all together. U tebe, babushki i djedushki. Papa. He's saying that I am grandpa and grandma is grandma. Now, I have to tell you that we have eight grandchildren, and when we get together as a family, Joel, how much English is spoken in our family gatherings? Only among the adults, really, but it's a pretty mixed language. I would call it Anglo-Ruski. It's a real mixture. All the kids are little by little learning English. Paul, is that, Joel, is that true? Well, we're trying to teach our kids English. I don't know how Paul's doing, but Philip and Elle are doing the best, of course. They're in America. Right. And they're trying to teach their kids Russian. And I'm trying to teach my guys English. And I want them to know both languages. Well, I have to say that Paul's oldest two kids, they really speak English very well. William is amazing. And here in Russia, of course, people learn the English language in school. But and you know what? Languages. Maxime and I looked at it. Hey, Maxime, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. The numbers of people in Russia who speak English, it's much smaller than you would think. It's less than 5%. I'm sure. It is less than 5%. I'm sure. And guess what? The 5% is in Moscow. If you get outside of Moscow, there's not a lot of English spoken in this part of the world, which mandates that we all speak Russian. And when we moved to the Soviet Union, none of us knew any Russian, except I had memorized 800 words before we came. Really? I didn't know that. I did, Maxine. You know, Maxine, God gave me an amazing memory with vocabulary. True. And I was able to put 800 words here before we ever stepped off the airplane as a family. That helped us get started. And from the very beginning, Paul and I were kind of in a competition. And it was fun. Who was going to learn to speak Russian the fastest, the best? Well, guess what? He won because he was just eight years old and his brain just caught on. And if my Russian is bad, I'm going to tell you why, why it's bad. Actually, it's not that bad. My, my Russian's not bad. But grammatically, I make mistakes, and here's the reason why. I learned Russian not from a Russian. I learned it from my Lat Latvian driver <laughs> who didn't like Russians. But he grew up in the Soviet Union and he was required to speak Russian. And I would ride in the car for hours and hours and hours with Giannis. It was his daughter that was raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. That was his daughter. And he and I would ride in the car for hours and hours and hours. And I would say, Giannis, how do you say this? Giannis, how do you say that? Giannis, what is that? And Yanis really became my teacher, but because I learned Russian from a Latvian driver, not from somebody educated in Russian, sometimes I make mistakes. Yeah, you got the practical 
the practical side of knowledge. I really do. I mean, my my hands-on ability to speak Russian is not bad, Matt. Now, Maxine, you told a big fib last week. You said my Russian was equal to yours, and that was like off the charts ridiculous. Because <laughs> I love you. Well, you don't lie because you love somebody. <laughs> but how is my Russian? Your Russian is good, and I translate for you from English into Russian. And when you preach every time on Sunday on the stage, I translate. And I know that you understand everything I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But I translate because it needs to be said correctly in mm -hmm. Russian. But you understand every word. We have endings. Many. We have cases. You, your, your language doesn't have it. Like we have so many cases, and each case requires its own endings. And there is no system to it. You just have to memorize it. And it's hard. I have not seen... And I, I, I mean it. I have not seen one foreigner, I have not seen one who would speak Russian without mistakes. Well, Paul does a marvelous job. Joel does a marvelous oh, job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these, now, they're these, good. I mean, they grew up here. This, they're good. They're very good. Actually, Amazing. when I hear Joel speak and Paul speak in English, sometimes I'm like, that was interesting. <laughs> I remember years ago when we lived right downtown Moscow, Joel came home, and I said, Joel, how did you come home? He said, I walked right past the studentiary. Studentiary? <laughs> studentiary? What is a studentiary? He said, you know, it's a place where students live. Isn't that called a studentiary? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounds like a place where birds would live, an aviary, a studentiary. But you know what? English, really, would you call it your first language? I don't know, but I can tell you another story. It's pretty funny. One time I said to my, my aunt, I said, you know, we have such a great team. We're just a real commando. <laughs> <laughs> she said, Joel, that means something else. You're probably a really great team, but you're not a commando. And I thought that was hilarious. You know, you have to really, you have to learn the culture where you live. For example, here, if you live here as a foreigner, then you're required to regularly get a test for AIDS. It's just a law. Everybody has to. Well, if you want a visa. If you want a visa or if you want to have a permanent residence or if you want to have citizenship, you have to be tested for AIDS. So I can't even count how many times all of us have been tested for AIDS over the years because it's, you have to do it regularly. So if they bring you the test and you're clean, they will tell you it was negative. Well they would tell you it's positive. It's positive that you do not have it. It is. If they tell you negative, it means you have it. That is just the opposite of what people have in the States. If you go to the doctor and they say it's positive, it means you have it. If it's negative, it means you don't have it. So if you showed up here at the doctor and you didn't understand the language and they came to you and said positive, it might just scare the wits out of you. Positive means you're free. <laughs> anyway, everything's Never different. Never thought of it. You have to learn where you live. You have to learn all the nuances of language. And friend, I want to tell you, if you've never lived overseas, language really determines the character of a nation. It does. Language is a big part of the identity of any nation. And so we had to learn Russian, and I just love the Russian language. How old were you when we moved? To 30, 32. Can you believe, Joel, I was 32 years old. So I was your age. Yes. And Paul was Daniel's age. A little, a little bit older. Daniel's uh, eight. Oh, he's eight? 
It, yeah, that's how old Paul was. And Mark is five and a half, which was Philip's age. Was Philip's age, and you were two. Amazing. There you go. Amazing. Well, Rabiata, thank you for being with us, kids. You're welcome. All right, we're going to return to our subject. By, by the way, you can download the study notes for free. It's called What the New Testament Says About Demons. And uh, this is a free download, right, Joel? That's right. You can go to Rinder.org, and you can download it. And I just want to say, I think Mama is going to be a little sorry she wasn't in this program. Oh, you. she is going to say, you did what? Yeah. But you can download that at Rinder.org right now, and we, we would like to give it to you. And there's a, there's a whole series that goes with it. This would be great for you. If you want to really build your faith about your God-given authority over the demonic realm, this is the series you need. And you don't need to base your beliefs on fantasies or old wives' tales or what somebody told you. Just forget all of that. You need to base what you believe on the Bible. The Bible is our foundation. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to get when you come to our regular TV program or to our home group. I promise you, you're going to get the Bible. And if you're a partner, I want to say thank you for helping us take the teaching of the Bible who are sitting in their homes all over the world and are waiting for somebody to feed them the Word of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us. And if you need prayer, please contact us. Just send us your prayer request at prayerrenner.org. Or you can call us right now, 1-800-742-5593. If no one takes your call, leave a message, and we'll call you back. Amen? That's right. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10. Let's open our Bibles. And today we're going to go back to Luke chapter 10, verse 17, where Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. I just quickly want to cover again the word tread. It's from the Greek word pateo. It means to walk on, to trample on, or to crush. I like this best. To advance by setting the foot up on. Amen. You know, scriptures really agree with each other. For example, Romans 16, verse 20, Paul says, The God of peace will set, crush Satan under your feet mm -hmm. shortly. That describes an advancing military force. Somebody gets in their way. Rather than take time to politely ask them to get up and move, they were commanded just to keep marching and just trample that person en route. Well, that just basically is what Jesus is saying here. If the devil is dumb enough to get in front of you, advance. By putting your foot on him, the word pateo, trample on him and advance. And the Bible goes on to say he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. The word over, the Greek word epi, which describes our position of superiority. We're not under him, we are over him because we have the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word of God. And the Bible says over all the power of the enemy, the word power is a translation of the Greek word dunamis. The word dunamis, Maxime, what does it mean? There are two meanings. And I learned, the first meaning I learned it from you, uh, power of tornado, tsunami. Who can stop tsunami? A natural, a force of nature. Nature. And the second meaning is the power of army or marching army with all of its strength. There are two meanings. And why is that important? Because sometimes when you deal with the devil, we've already seen he's like a snake. He waits for a moment to strike. Mm -hmm. He is like a scorpion. He creates stinging situations. But this word power tells us sometimes when the devil comes, you feel like you have run into a force of nature. It's like, where did this hurricane come from? What kind of a tornado? What, what is this earthquake we're going through? Don't worry about it. Epi, 
you have a position of superiority over all of it. Sometimes this word dunamis, the word power, describes the full might of an advancing army. You might feel like all of hell is coming against you. Maybe you do feel that. It does not change the fact that Epi, you've been given a position of superiority over all of it. That is exactly what Jesus said. We're not under the devil. We are over the devil. We have a position of superiority. But what do we know explicitly about demons and their behavior from the Bible? And we need to base everything we believe on the Bible. How do demons think? How do demons act? What do demons say? What kind of power do demons have? And I'm going to give you a list tonight of 19 things. But before I get into it, I want to remind you of 1 John 4, 4, which says, Greater is he that's in you than oh, he that is in, in the world. I so love that moment. not glorifying the devil. We're really glorifying the greater one in you. But what enemy would ever go to war against another enemy without knowing something about his enemy? You need to know something about your enemy. And when you particularly study the four Gospels and the book of Acts and a few scriptures in the epistles, we can know a lot about how the devil behaves. This is important because sometimes when you're dealing with somebody, you may think, is this a psychological problem or is this demonic? Am I experiencing just a natural storm or is this a spiritual storm? How do you recognize demon activity? I think it's a very important question. Mm -hmm. So tonight I'm going to give you 19 things that the Bible tells us are ways that the devil behaves. So let's begin with number one. Are you ready? Ready. Demons scream. They scream. And I'm going to give you scriptures for all of this. Mark 1, 23, verse 26. Mark 3, 11. Mark 5, 7. Mark 9, 26. Luke 4, 33. Luke 8, 28. Acts 8, 7. In all of these instances, the Bible tells us demons, when they're put under pressure, they begin to scream. Which means when you begin to take authority over demon spirits, sometimes they really react. And that leads us to number two. Demons cry out. The word cry out is the Greek word kradzo. Actually, it describes an endless blood-curdling scream. An endless blood-curdling scream. This scream is usually in response to demons encountering the power of Jesus. They are spooked by the power of Jesus. They will let out a blood-curdling scream sometimes when you deal with them. And you can see this in Mark 1, 21, when a religious man in the synagogue, no one even knew he had a demon. He was in the synagogue. He let out a blood-curdling scream, the Greek word anakradzo. It's amazing. When he confronted the power of Jesus. You can read about it in Luke 4, 33. And you can read about it in Luke 8, 28. But let's move on. Number three. Demons can be panicked or spooked. Demons can be spooked. <laughs> demons can be spooked. Now everybody's all the time thinking they're going to be spooked by a demon. Demons can be spooked. And you can read about that in Mark 8.29. I'm sorry, Matthew 8.29, Mark 1.24, Mark 5.7, Luke 8.28. Demons can be spooked. In fact, they are easily spooked. When they've been lurking there, Nobody's ever bothered them. Suddenly you show up with the power of God and the name of Jesus and the word of God, the blood of Jesus. It just spooks them. And you can see this in these scriptures that I've given to you. Number four, demons can talk and demons can converse. In fact, they talk so much 
so many times in the ministry of Jesus that Jesus told them to shut up. Demons love to talk. And if you open the door, they will talk nonstop. They will go on and on and on and on. And I'll tell you, this is very helpful for me because sometimes when I've been counseling people or dealing with people and you open a door and it just goes on and on and on and on, sometimes I've realized, you know what? This is the devil talking to me. And you have to stop it. Why should you sit and listen to a devil? There's only one time in Scripture when Jesus offered to enter into a conversation with a devil. Just once. So if somebody says you need to always ask the devil, the demon, what is your name? Jesus only did that once. It was Mark chapter 5. Every other time, Jesus told them to shut up. They'd start screaming. Jesus said, hold your peace. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. Jesus did not want to enter into a conversation with demons. Of course. He only did it once in Mark chapter 5, which we're going to see tomorrow night. When the demon wouldn't come out, Jesus was so amazed that it wasn't quickly coming out. He said, what in the world is your name? That's the only time Jesus ever did that. So don't think you have to ask the demons, what are your names? Don't do that. But anyway, you can see that demons talk and demons converse. In Mark 1.34, Mark 5.9, Luke 4.41, and Acts 19, verse 15. Then number five. Demons have intelligence. They're intelligent creatures. We read this in Mark 5, Acts 19, verse 15. Demons really have intelligence. And the best example really is Acts chapter 19, verse 15, where the seven sons of Sceva try to cast a demon out. And those demons began talking, and they knew a lot. They actually said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. Who are you? But who in the world are you? We've never run into you before. They really have intelligence. Number six, demons are unclean. They're unclean. Jesus called them unclean spirits. And by the way, this was quite a rebuke because the word unclean is horrible. It describes something filthy, foul, dirty, nasty, lewd. When Jesus would call a spirit unclean, it was such an insult. It was the equivalent of saying, you foul, stinking, filthy, nasty, lewd, vile thing. It was such an assault against them. And actually, that was part of Jesus rebuking them. But they are foul. In fact, they are so foul, they're even willing to live in, enemy, in animals, any kind of animal. That's right. I remember when I was growing up, we had a family that lived behind us, and they had a dog that was so mean, they kept it in a cage, and even that family could not deal with that dog. That dog, I truly believe to this day, was demonized. And you know what the name of that dog was? Stinky. His name was Stinky. It was an unclean dog. That was the dog's name. I'm telling you, that dog was like demon-possessed. Have you ever run into an animal? that you thought had demons? We'll get there in just a minute. But anyway, demons are unclean. They are unclean. And you can see this in Matthew 12, 43, Matthew 15, 22, Mark 1, 23, and 26, Mark 3, 20, Mark 5, 2, Mark 5, 8, Mark 9, 25, Luke 4, 33, Luke 8, 29, Luke 9, 42, Luke 11, 24. I'm giving you so many verses, my friends. There's a lot of Bible for all of this. But next, number seven, demons are violent. They're violent, and they're strong. We can read about this in Matthew 17, 14 to 18, Mark 5, 13, Mark 
9, 14 to 19, Luke 9, 37 to 43, Acts 19, verse 16. And let's go back to Acts 19, verse 6 again, as 16 as an example. This was when the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast the demon out of that man. Oh, yeah. And the Bible says they had no authority over him because they were not Christians, the seven sons of Sceva. And that demon-possessed person just ripped those guys to Ripped pieces. them to pieces. It actually says that he leapt on them, and the word leapt in Greek is the same Greek word for a panther. Just like a panther would leap, he suddenly he sprung on them. And the Bible says they, they fled naked and wounded. The word wounded is the Greek word traumatizo. It's where you get the word trauma. They left totally traumatized. They were playing with something they did not have authority to deal I have with. A question. Yes. Uh, I think our Bible, I don't know what your Bible says, that the Sceva was a high priest. Was he really a high priest? He was, he was a high priest of Aphrodite. Ah. And the Bible says that he was also a Jew. His name, Sceva, is not even Jewish. It's, it, actually, it's not a name at all. So he was not a real high priest like... He was a high priest in the temple of, 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 of Artemis. Not godly high priest, I mean. No. And the name Sceva means left-handed. Okay. And left-handed in that world meant lousy, low-level scum. <laughs> that what was Luke's opinion. Perception of, of, of this man. Okay. Why did he have that perception? Because he was a Jew. He had been raised right. He knew better. But he veered from his faith and went into paganism until he became the high priest in the temple of Artemis. So they nicknamed And raised his boys in occult practices and when Luke calls him Sceva, he literally means there was a low-level, lousy, scum Jew who did wrong with his amazing. family. Isn't that amazing? It is. Okay, let's go on. Next, demons tend to cause terror. That's point number eight. You can read this in Matthew 8:28 Again, Matthew 19, verse 16. In Matthew 8:28, the Bible says they were exceedingly fierce and everybody was terrified to come near them. They are a source of terror terrorism. Behind it is demonic activities. When you see terrifying things and nonsense happening in society, demon activity is ultimately behind it. We don't deal with flesh and blood, but behind the flesh and blood there are demonic forces. Number nine, demons can be incredibly strong. They exhibit superhuman strength unless they are restricted. You really see this in Mark 5, 4, Luke 8, 29, and again Luke 19, verse 16. We're going to see it in further programs this week. The demonized man of Gadara. The man had so much strength, he could break bonds. He could break handcuffs. He had superhuman strength. Number 10, demons can cause physical impairments. You read this in Matthew 9, 33, Matthew 12, 22 to 30, Mark 3, 20 to 27, Luke 11, 14 to 23, they can create physical impairments or physical disablements. That's really what it's talking about. Sometimes physical problems are the result of spirit-inflicted attacks. Again, the word daimonia, we saw this last night. The early world and the early church believed demons, daimonian, were the source of spirit-inflicted ailments, and really that's what I'm talking about. Then let's go to number 11. Demons can cause suicidal tendencies. Doesn't mean that every suicide is the result of demons, but demons will drive you to that. And we can read that in Mark 5, 5. 
where the demon-possessed man of Gadara was crying and cutting himself with stones. He was trying to commit suicide. Number 12, demons can inhabit animals. This leads us back to my neighbor's dog named Stinky. And there are lots of biblical evidences for demons. If they can't find a person to live in, they'll move into an animal. You can read this in Matthew 8:31, Mark 5:11 to 13, Luke 8:32 and 33, where the Bible tells us vividly that when the demons went out of the demon-possessed man of Gadara, they entered into pigs. They're so tasteless, they'll just live in anything. Number 13. Demons can operate through occult activities. Oh, this is interesting. In Matthew 17, verse 15, a man brought his son to the disciples of Jesus, said, we try, please cast the demon out. They couldn't, so they brought it to Jesus. And the Bible says that he was lunatic. That word lunatic is the word lunas, the Greek word lunas. It describes the moon. This was a word particularly used to describe those who did occult activities at the time of a full moon. And when his parents would begin to do their thing, the boy would begin to flip out. Demons begin to operate through these occult activities. Number 14, demons can be religious. Oh, they can be really religious. We can read that in Mark 1, 24, when Jesus confronts a religious man. He is so religious, but he has a religious demon. You can read it in Mark 5, 7, Luke 8, 28, where the demon-possessed man of Gadara begins to pray. He says, I beseech you by God. The demon got religious. And sometimes demons can really feign to be very religious. And you have to perceive whether you're listening to real religion or whether you listen to a spirit. All right, number 15, demons believe. James 2.19 tells us demons believe. Hey, they know the truth. They know the truth better than we do. <laughs> and in fact, it says they believe and they tremble. The word tremble again means to be spooked. You can really spook a demon with your faith and with the authority of Jesus Christ, and they believe. Next, 16, demons can beg. They beg. When you put them under pressure, they begin to beg. You can read this in Matthew 8, 31, Mark 5, 7, 10, and 12, Luke 8. 31 to 32, especially when you put them under pressure, they will begin to beg. Number 17, demons recognize authority. When you operate in the authority of Jesus, they will recognize it. Mark 1, 27, Luke 4, 36, Acts 19, verse 15. Number 18, demons can be resisted. They can be resisted. When you submit yourself to God, you have everything you need to resist them, and James 4, 7 says, they will flee from you. That's right. Mm. Number 19, demons submit to the name and authority of Jesus Christ. Mark 1, 27, Luke 4, 36, Acts 19, verse 15, they know who the real commander is. And when you begin to use the name of Jesus, they fall in line. Which is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, Verse 19, Behold, I give you authority over all the work of the enemy. Anyway, we've covered 19 things. Well, there's one more. What is it? Number 20, the demons can populate. They can, the Bible says that if you clean someone's house and you don't take care of it, worse things can come to him. 
if, if you cast the demon out of a man and that person doesn't fill himself with the word, which, oh, that's good. Yeah, I was wishing I had 20. I think it was seven, doesn't it, seven more? Since he'll come back with seven more. We know that there was a legion of demons in one of those men. Demons can populate. That is why sometimes counseling sessions turn so sour. You work somebody through something, you get them free, and then they stop. They don't come to church. I'm amazed how many people get set free, and then they think everything's over, so they stop trying to, to do right. They don't read their Bible. They don't come to church. They don't tithe. They don't work on their marriage. They feel like they came through a hard time. Now everything's okay. And then you hear the end of the story, and it's worse. It's because they didn't fill themselves with the Word of God. I have a question, but we can, ask, we can talk about it tomorrow if you want to. What is it? Okay. Who are demons? Where do they come from? Well, let's answer that tomorrow. Oh, okay. Because we're out of time. But hey, this has been good. How have my grandsons behaved? Ребята, как было программа? Это был скучно или интересный? Oh, they said it was not boring. It was very interesting. Wonderful. Well, я хочу сказать спасибо, что вы были с нами сегодня. Не только я, и Джол, и Максим. Наш домашний групп был с нами. I'm thanking them for being with us and for being with you tonight. Что вы хотите сказать, наши ребята? Be healthy and I wish everything to be good with you. Mark? Be healthy and live well. Hey, that's good. That's good. Thank you for being with us. We're out of time, but when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to continue right here and we're going to dive into Mark chapter 5. It is so good. Thanks for being with us. We love you guys. If you need prayer, write to us, prayer at renner.org, or call us 1-800-742-5593. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.